Welcome to the Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I'm Taryn Hatcher. We're doing a little bit of a role reversal here today. So I will be hosting the podcast alongside Jordan Hall, our tremendous beat writer when it comes to all things Flyers from NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com and my producer for Flyers pre and post game live and intermission live, uh, Joe Fordyce. We're going to break everything down after a really exciting win last night for the Flyers guys. I think you know, we, Jordan, I know you were there with me. We were talking to the guys at Morning Skate about even early in the season, this being a measuring stick type of game against Boston, who's kind of a perennial powerhouse here. They're certainly a perennial playoff team in the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Um, and it was kind of before, before the game felt like they were shying away from the question a little bit. Oh, you know, it's still kind of early, but yeah, they're really good. It'll, you know, it'll be interesting to see how things go. And then after the game, they beat them 6-3. It was a quite impressive performance out of quite a few Flyers players. And all of a sudden in the post-game interview, yeah, this is a great measuring stick for us. This is the kind of win we need to get against, you know, a playoff team and, uh, you know, one of those teams you just want to beat throughout the season rivalry-wise. Uh, Jordan, I wanted to get your initial thoughts on the game. We had some debuts. We have the Atkinson Farabee line continues to go off. Keith Yandel continues to rack up points. Um, what did you see? What stood out to you the most from last night's game? Yeah, Taryn, to beat the to beat the Bruins uh, by three goals. I know one was an empty netter, but uh, they win by three. They score six again. They have sixteen through three games. Uh, that's a lot, and uh, that to me, was a real prove-it game. Uh, you can say all you want about it being the third game, but it's Philly-Boston. It's on national TV. And the Flyers need to show that they are a different team from last season. And the first two games, you know, were not great opportunities to do that. They're playing the Canucks in the opener. Vancouver didn't make the playoffs last year. They're only going to play Vancouver two times. Seattle Kraken expansion team, going to play them twice during the season. Don't know a whole lot about them, but the Bruins are the Bruins. And Elaine Vigneault is right. They are the cream of the crop over the last 10, 15 years. And that's a good barometer, a good chance to see where this team is. And the Flyers had eight players in the lineup that they didn't have last season. And they come out and they win by three goals. I thought that was a major proving game for the Flyers, even in the third game of the year. Uh, so, so far, uh, so good for the Flyers. They're scoring goals. Uh, they're playing the Lane Vigneault system. They're getting good goaltending. So if, if you're management and if you're the fan base, I think you have to be happy, Taryn, with how things have gone so far. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, we're going to get into some individual performances as well as the debuts of Rasmus Ristolainen, um, Zach McEwen, and Martin Jones in just a moment. But before that, Joe, I do want to get your kind of overarching takeaways from last night's game. Well, you know, Jordan brought up last kind of last year and the, the list of reasons why the Flyers 
didn't make the playoffs last year starts with the Bruins. It might end with the Bruins too. Uh, they, that was just their biggest thorn in their side last year. And to see this as the first game against them this season was certainly a breath of fresh air. And what you also saw is you saw last night that the Flyers were able to withstand power plays from this Bruins uh, attack. And you and I were just talking about this right before we uh, started recording here. The look of that top Bruins line with their top D pair of Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grizzly was really scary. And the Flyers didn't go up any goals to. Um, I mean, you saw all the things that doomed the Flyers last year without the same results, which was refreshing. You saw the Pasternak slap pass to Patrice Bergeron in the slot, except this year it got stopped. We remember last year that wasn't that resulted in the overtime goal to beat the Flyers in a crucial game. Um, that combination there. So I really, I really was impressed with Martin Jones' first game. Um, I was impressed with the defensive effort of this team last night. And I was, the resiliency is really what stood out to me the most because um, they, they struck first, they struck second, the Bruins got back into it, they scored again, the Bruins came back, they scored again and then put them away. And really, you know, the first period, the Bruins dictated play for a good portion of that period. And the, the period ended with the Flyers on top, and the bad start in not necessarily on the scoreboard, but the stats didn't result in them kind of going away and hiding, which happened a lot last year where they would get up and have a bad start against the team. And next thing you know, it would be five, nothing. And you'd just be counting down the time till the game ended. And none of that went on last night. It was a totally different look and, you know, I, I'm not one of these people that reads into celebrations and things, but when you look at their celebrations after goals, the Yandel, I'm talking about particularly the, the meshing of the guys that weren't here last year with the guys that were, um, you really see, it looks like this team already has a bond. And I'm not going to go crazy over one big win, but in order to have more than one big win, to have five and 10 big wins, which this team will need down the stretch, you have to have that kind of bond that comes with getting big wins early in the season. And I think last night was a big step toward that. Yeah, it is interesting because at least externally, there did used to feel like there was kind of that old guard flyers that was the Jake Vorchek's Claude Giroux's before Wayne Simmons got traded away a few years ago, kind of that era of flyers hockey. And then the, the new school Hextall prospects. And there were guys like Kevin Hayes and actually like Joel Farabee who bridged the gap, Scott Lawton who bridged the gap between those two. Um, but there definitely feels like there's no more of those existent groups. Um, and Locker was incredibly close in 2019, 2020. So that's not at all to, to say that the team wasn't as bonded then. It just is an entirely new breath of fresh air. And to that point that you made, Joe, I mean, Jordan, I remember us sitting up in the press box in the second period last night, and I want to say it was the Bruins' second goal. And you and I both kind of inhaled, like inhaled and exhaled really sharply, and you said, they got to do something here. They, they cannot come back and tie this right here at three. And, um, and it started to feel like this was the moment last year where the Flyers would crumble. 
the wind would get too strong, the house of cards would fold. And Jordan, it was really interesting last night because you, I, I did not get that sense. I got the sense the Bruins are very good. They're very capable of beating good teams. But I did not get the sense that the Flyers were as fragile, maybe is the right word, as they were last year, where when one thing goes wrong, 85 things go wrong, and then the game gets out of hand. It, it was, to Joe's point, there was a certain amount of resilience that, Jordan, I don't think I've, I've seen uh, for almost all of last year, to be honest. I agree, Turn, and I think that just comes with the guys they got. Like, you you see Ryan Ellis, you see Cam Atkinson, you see Derek Broussard. Like, that's a lot of experience. A lot of experience the Flyers didn't have last year. It's a lot of experience that understands um, what to do when games get tight like that, when maybe a team's pushing back and you, and you feel like you're on your heels a bit. And Cam Atkinson said last night that they went into the second intermission uh, the game suddenly tied at 3-3. They had a 3-1 lead. It suddenly tied 3-3, but everyone was positive. And they said, hey, if we just win this next period, we win a game. And mm-hmm. came back and said everyone was howling. Everyone was very upbeat. And uh, that tells you a lot about the, this group and how it's bonded so quickly, like Joe mentioned. And Taryn, I could not agree more. I just think the experience speaks volumes on the ice. And that's what the Flyers added this offseason. Um, it goes a long way. And I think the Flyers are really benefiting from it. And I think, I think that the, the one part that's important to that as well, it's, it's guys who have experience a lot of whom did not experience last year and don't have the baggage that comes with some of that. Like you look at cam cam dealt with his own version of struggles in Columbus last year, but you don't have that lingering kind of humming in the back of your mind of oh this is this is we've seen this before we've seen this before and I mean credit to I mean Travis Konechny's goal I think pumped a ton of energy into the crowd or into the team and the crowd and everyone else involved um but you see Cam Atkinson's goal and he doesn't have sometimes you'd see the Flyers score and there's like a relief like the monkey's off their back you see Cam score and it injects life into everyone there's a different demeanor about it all this year and I think some of that is that that breath of fresh air um but Joe I want to get into some of these more individual stats here because we have a lot to talk about between debuts and specifically that Faraby Broussard um Atkinson line which continues to just be incredibly productive Atkinson two goals last night Faraby and a golden assist Broussard two assists he's got five points in three games What's impressed you the most, Joe? Is it Broussard slotting into that 2C spot, what Atkinson's brought to the lineup? Joel Farabee looks like he wants to be a leading player in the NHL, not just an up-and-coming young guy. What has jumped out at you the most, Joe? Yeah, so uh, the Broussard, Broussard's just seamless transition into that uh, second-line center is, is impressive. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out something about the other two guys you mentioned. Cam Atkinson came here, and I feel like there were a good amount of expectations put on him, given his resume in this league. A former 40-goal scorer and a guy that just has the nose for the net, and he has delivered in every possible way. I mean, look at the goals he's scoring. He's down exactly what he told us on media day, down around the blue paint. He's always near the net. He plays with seemingly no regard for his physical safety, which can be a bad thing if you're not careful at some times, but 
look at the one goal he scored last night. He goes crashing into the end boards. <laughs> words, yeah. I, I thought he went shoulder first when I first saw it, and because he came up grimacing, but it was I, I, it looked like he maybe just got a little just one of those like wing knocked out of you type moments. But um, he's always around the net, and you can tell he always expects to score, and his instinct is put the puck on net all the time. And mm-hmm. I don't think the Flyers have had a ton of that recently. No. Um, and it's, it's almost like it's infectious that it's gone on to therapy because yes, the goal scoring is great, but I'm going to point out another play that therapy made last night. They're on a fast break and therapy gets the puck and he did that little drag around move around a defenseman that was sprawling out to stop him. He didn't yep. score on it. But that was a that was a move where I was like, "What? Well, wait a second. Where did this? Come? I didn't even know he had that move." And that was an elite NHL move. That I, I don't know how many guys in this league have that club in their bag, moving at that speed to go with instincts to go with that move like that. And I I really really am impressed by those two wingers and how they've started this season, and in particular Cam to come to a new place and have this kind of impact in three games. Um, you know, in these three games, you're saying, okay, um, I notice Cam Atkinson every time he's on the ice. Yeah. And I feel like there was far too much in particularly last season, far too many guys suiting up for this team that you didn't notice when they were on the ice. And yeah. that, that to me has stood out the most. Um, through these first three games, particularly last night. And it's very interesting because it's become kind of obvious when teammate, when players realize what Joel is capable of and also what Cam is capable of, it, you see them shift the way they approach defending that line. Because Joel, you're right, Joel has these flashes of elite skills that I'm not sure any of us thought he would be able to introduce at the NHL level this early in his career. And I don't, it, he doesn't even think about it. He just does it. He doesn't, you know, and I know we talk about it and I'm sure he doesn't care at all, but it's not that consideration of, Oh, I'm this 21 year old guy. Who's really not played a full, like a full true NHL season yet. That's not he's here to be a second line, top line type of forward scoring lots of goals. And thus far, that's what he's done. And again, enough cannot be made of the job Derek Broussard has done slotting up and in there for Kevin Hayes. I said it on post game the other day. I know how people feel about it. And we've got until what, November 10th until Kevin Hayes comes back. So a lot can change. I will be very interested to see what that reintroduction of Kevin Hayes looks like into this lineup. If that particular line continues to uh, Derek Broussard has five points in three games, like, you know, it's just, and he's more than competent at that position. They, they below the red line, they are the most dangerous line to watch. You don't know if once one of them gets that puck below the red line, they're in that office. They're so scary for opposing teams. Um, but we'll get into debuts in just a moment. Jordan, I understand you have a little ad read to do for us here. I sure do, Terry. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Taryn Hatcher, we saw some debuts on the back end. Obviously, we saw Rasmus Ristolainen uh, play. I feel like as we were watching that game, I'm sure Joe probably could share the sentiment as Taryn and I were watching this game from the press box, I feel like there was times where we were like, oh, that was really good, Rasmus Ristolainen. And then there was times where we were like, ooh, that was not good, Rasmus Ristolainen. Taryn, what was your overall thought on his debut and, and some of the play on the back end? I think it's important to note in this situation that I think it was a week since he practiced with Sanheim. He had one day of practice with Sanheim. And I do think that there is something to that. I would like to see him get better. I think he ideally needs to get better if he wants to be the player the Flyers want him to be. But he was the first guy to say that. I mean, the, the, I borderline laughed in the post-game press conference because it was hilarious the way he said it. But he was asked about, and, and Bill Melter and I were talking about this, and we kind of shared the same thought, is it was clear he was trying to dump the puck, and it was either too soft or it took a weird angle off the boards, and it just landed in a position where the Bruins could counter, and it did lead to a goal I, as they were trying to make a line change. And I think everyone anticipated that puck was going to go deeper or that it needed to go deeper. Again, I kind of thought it was a weird bounce off the boards, but we were watching it in person, so I didn't get to see replays. Um Uh, but you just can't make that mistake because Sanheim was trying to come off for a change. So he didn't have depth and it was just, everybody was kind of caught flat on the play and transition. And then it leads to a goal for the Bruins. Um, But Rasmus to what I was saying 20 minutes ago, when I started this soliloquy um, Rasmus in post game got asked about that, that, you know, dump and change gone wrong. And he goes, Oh yeah, I made a really bad play. And he was like, that's on me. That was a bad pass, a bad play. Not great. Like, and took full ownership and not in the way where he's defeated. It was almost like this mature acknowledgement of that's not cool. I know it's not cool. It needs to be better. Um, But I think what he brings is something that a Flyers fans have been missing for a long time and B the Flyers team has been missing for a long time. He had that massive hit early in the game, um, which people want to see out of him. Uh, I hate to say it because I loved working with Phil Myers. I thought he was a great kid. I think he's an improvement over Phil Myers without a shadow of a doubt to me. Um, But yeah, I think, 
the, the thing with Rasmus is that you don't go into it. Here's the, the dynamic of Yandel and Rasmus. It's very different, right? You, you understand Yandel is going to do things defensively that you don't like, and sometimes they're going to lead to goals. But you know what Yandel contributes offensively, and it almost always translates into points. I mean, he's got five points in three games too. He had two assists last night. So you give Yandel the benefit of the doubt when he does something bad. When it comes to Rasmus, his whole career has been tainted by the Buffalo Sabres and analytics folks hate him. And he was a minus one last night, so you kind of get it. Um, So everything that he does that's bad, you kind of mentally note it. And I found myself doing that last night. I think we found ourselves like kind of, you do something nice and you go, oh, that's good. And you see him do something bad and you're like, oh my gosh, and we're analyzing it. Which he's not going to get over until he proves that he can go through games without just not doing anything bad. Um, but I think we all, we have to temper everything with the fact that literally he practiced with Sandheim for one day in the past week. And Travis has had his own issues with like positioning with defensive partners and whatever. And I think it's going to be a little bit of a dance for them to get used to it. The nice thing is this year, we have days in between games and they have times to practice and they have time to figure it out. So I have faith. I don't think it's fair to make a, you know, instant judgment based off of last night. And even if I did, I wouldn't really give Rasmus a bad grade. It'd probably be like a B, B minus. So that's where I would be at. Joe, what were your thoughts on Rasmus? Yeah. So he uh, took a penalty early on and I started thinking like, Oh, kind of like you guys were saying, like, this is not, this is not the way you want to start, but I thought he rebounded nicely. So again, you saw the good and the bad. Um, It's going to take a while for me to think, um, one way or the other to get the Buffalo out of the equation. Yeah. Um, you have to cleanse. Because, you have to cleanse yeah. of the Sabres. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to stage the stall or something. Right. Cause there was so much bad ingredients there. It wasn't like um, his numbers were just bad. It was, he played with different players. The inconsistency is inconsistencies in their lineup. They multiple coaches, multiple bad coaches. Let's just say it. I mean, these are, and, and, and all in the early part of his career. So, you know, I'm sure he probably picked up some bad habits and bad habits show themselves on teams that are decent or good more than they show up on teams that are bad because the bad habits on bad teams are just the way they play because everybody's playing bad mm-hmm. with this situation. It's, it's, it's going to show itself. So I definitely think it'll take patience and obviously the lack of practice time, as you mentioned um, with his main D partner is, is a huge deal. I mean, it's, um, you know, they'll have, they'll have off today. They'll have a practice day before Saturday's game. And then, you know, I, I know a lot of times, and this is, it's cliche ish. The flyers used it, used that Western Canada trip as a bonding trip because they usually had some days. They'll have some days this year. Um, and they'll they be in Edmonton, day. so there's really not much else to do, yeah. Joe. You know, right? So I mean, yeah, I mean, well, to try getting to that time of year where it's almost dark by one in the afternoon in Edmonton, right? So yeah. um, they'll have some, and I think that'll that'll do them this team some good. Not only Rasmus, but everyone some good to get out on that first road trip. The, I mean, I don't want to say extended; it's three games, but it's 
you know, they'll be away for almost a week. It's It feels like a long road trip when you're out there. Having done it and, you know, no disrespect to the fine folks of Edmonton. If there's anyone who listens to this podcast from Edmonton, like shout out to you. Um, but I can tell you that entire trip is, are you going to go to the West Edmonton Mall? I might. Are you going to go to the West Edmonton Mall? Yeah, let's go to the West Edmonton Mall. That's really like what you do on the trip. So it's it's a nice time to like, you kind of just hang out and have dinner with people and get to know people. It is literally a trip where you're like, essentially like, Hey guys, it's just us. What do you want to talk about? Um, Jordan, do you want to talk about Risto or you want to move on to Martin Jones? Your thoughts. That's so funny. I turn no joke. I was just thinking in my head, I was going to ask you and Joe about Martin Jones. So I'll get right into Martin Jones. I, um, I thought it made perfect sense to play him. I, I'm not saying that uh, because it obviously worked out. I really thought it was a great time to get Martin Jones a game. I, I think some people were a little upset because they saw Carter Hart play so well, and then you have the big bad Bruins coming to town and you go with your backup. But if Martin Jones didn't play, say he got the fourth and final game of the homestand on Saturday, that would have been 14 days, two weeks, between the preseason finale that he played and then obviously his first game on Saturday. That's just far too long for a goalie to be sitting, far too long for a guy that's been used to being the number one and playing in openers. Uh, I thought it was a great time to get him in, have Carter get a breather, get the Panthers on Saturday, and it worked out to the Flyers' benefit. And if people got upset about the way Martin Jones played in the preseason, go back and look at his numbers. He faced the third most shots in all of the NHL preseason, and two of the games were just awful situations for a goalie. He played the Bruins in Boston when the Flyers went with a preseason mix. Boston played its regulars. He played the Islanders uh, in Connecticut uh, when New York went with its regulars and the Flyers went with a total preseason mix. So he had some really stiff tune-ups in the preseason. I think he's going to be fine. I think he'll be reliable. And the guy made 37 saves against Boston after, mm-hmm. again, not playing since the exhibition finale. So – Kudos to 40 shots. Yeah, 40 40 shots. Um, As Joe and you mentioned, uh, the the Bruins did outplay them for periods of that game, and Martin Jones did give them a chance. He wasn't spectacular by any means, but he was just really, really solid. And uh, I think he deserves credit because I feel like he's gotten some flack from the fan base because of his preseason numbers and what he did in San Jose the past few years. Uh, We forget he he was a guy with some some impressive track record uh, in San Jose too. So – uh, I thought it was a, it played out great for the Flyers. What did you guys think, uh, Taryn? I'll go to you. What did you think of Martin Jones? Well, I I thought to your point, I think people wanted to see Carter against the Bruins because it was the Bruins that was the broken stick game last year, right? Mm-hmm. Am I? Yeah. I think it people wanted to see. A, they thought if you put Martin Jones in, you're putting the Flyers in at a disadvantage to try to win this game because people had no faith in Martin Jones from a preseason, which again, to your point, was incredibly unfair. That preseason game against the Boston Bruins was like putting out like a JV squad against yeah. an NCAA Division I team. Like it just wasn't the, the Bruce Cassidy put out his A team that night. Um, and, and to your other point, this is a guy who wants to start like 50, 60 games in a season. Probably not this year. I'm sure he knows what his role is this year, but next year. And the only way he does that is if he can prove that he's competent against good teams like the Bruins and the Flyers need him to be because there's going to be times in the schedule when you can't have Carter going against one team that's good one night and another team that's good the night right out. You're going to need Martin Jones in those situations. And he had a long layoff since he last played. 
Um, I thought, you know, you and I had kind of noticed up top, there were certain moments where it seemed like he was just a moment behind getting into position, but it didn't kill him in terms of, you know, getting scored on. I don't think that was the case. Um, and I think because Carter, particularly in that cracking game, had that massive, spectacular save that changed the momentum of everything. And the Flyers went on and scored a ton of goals right after that. People wanted to see that moment from Martin Jones. You don't need that moment from Martin Jones. Like you love if he makes those saves, but you need him to keep the score down to three goals against the Bruins when he sees 40 shots. That's what you need from him. That's what he did. Um, and I think if you're a Flyers fan coming out of that one, Martin Jones is another one where I think he almost has the, the Rasmus kind of um, predisposition in terms of the way the fans see him, where it's like, you haven't done enough recently for us to trust you yet. So you're going to have to show me more. Um, but it was a step in the right direction for Martin. I thought it was a step in the right direction for Rasmus. There's a lot of work still to be done, but I don't really think you can, I really don't think you can kind of ding Martin for anything that happened last night, to be honest with you. I think the goals in a lot of the situations were team goals. And so you take them as a team. Um, so, I mean, that's what you need from him is to do that and to stay healthy. So knock on wood, he's step one is down. Joe, your thoughts on Martin Jones. Yeah. So first off, I'm going to make a statement about preseason in all of sports. <laughs> I don't think we've ever seen when, preseason sports have been so irrelevant teams don't take them seriously so why are we taking the stats seriously yeah. let's just forget about the preseason stats and look at what he did last night i that think it's because the flyers were bad last year like i think people wanted to see yeah. fix right away in the preseason and and you're right it doesn't sports science has taken over sports and sports science dictates like these games don't matter that much stay healthy and, yeah. you know, when you look at, at Rasmus having to miss the first two games of the season, it's kind of to that point. It's like you just, just want to stay healthy for preseason. Sorry, go ahead, yeah. Joe. I mean, like, look, you just look around the sports landscape. I think the Lakers won no games in the preseason, and they're one of the top three top favorites to win the title in the NBA. Like, it, so teams don't take the preseason seriously anymore. So I've stopped taking stats seriously. Injuries, obviously, you have to take seriously, but – um, secondly, I, I will say that I was impressed with Martin Jones last night, but I will also say this. I think we need to see a win like this from Carter Hart. And that might be Saturday because Florida is a good team. They need to win a competitive game against a good team with Carter in net and have him like have to be tested at times in the game. And, you know, I know they had that with Vancouver and he redeemed himself in that overtime period with some big stops. But you mentioned, Jordan, Vancouver wasn't a playoff team last year. This is not the, you know, you're not playing the Washington Capitals or, or a team that's, you're not having to deal with the Vancouver Canucks down the road. You want to see him do it against a team that you might have to deal with down the road in the spring, uh, in big games, in the heart of winter, when nobody feels like playing. And it's, you know, 10 degrees outside and hey, here come the Florida Panthers, or there you go down to Florida to play a huge game, you know, uh, or Boston, or who knows, the Rangers, the Capitals, any of these teams, and you want to feel confident that Carter, oh, well, we saw him do that against fill-in-your-blank team. You, you want to have those 
early season big win. So I think it'll go a long way to see Carter win a game like Martin Jones won last night. Um, great for Martin Jones. I, I love the fact that his first game is now a game where you can use it as a sort of measuring stick. Like, well, remember when Martin Jones won that big game against Boston in the first two weeks of the season? That was, you know, and, and, and that his first experience wasn't the Flyers was with the Flyers wasn't the Bruins putting five or six goals on him on, on home ice and yeah. winning a game. And I think that stuff goes a long way because it sticks in people's minds that, you know, yeah, that, that remember that four minute stretch or that power play where the Bruins were buzzing, but they didn't score, you know, that those kind of things, I think go a long way for the player, for the rest of the team, for the fans, for everyone. So that's a big time. It's a big time notch for Martin Jones. And I'll also say we need to see one of those from Carter Hart. Um, I think that's a great point that you made there, Joe, is that like the measuring stick for Martin Jones originally was that Bruins preseason game, which was wildly unfair. But you sit there and you go, OK, I can make all these qualifications for a result. But at the end of the day, that's the result. Right. Well, now you look at all the qualifications and you go, OK, that validates what I thought about the inaccuracy of that result. Now this is his measuring stick game. And it might almost be setting the bar a little bit too high because the Flyers did put up six last night. But I think that's a great point when you're going off of a real tangible regular season performance. It, it feels like a more genuine measuring stick. I have a question for you guys before we wrap this up because I know we're, we've talked about it a lot today. So the point you made, Joe, which was another tremendous point about that's a performance we need to see from Carter. I feel like unless Carter has a performance like that, against an East division team or like the hurricanes with an East division team from last year. I mean, like the teams we saw over and over again, get at him last year or like the hurricanes who are a good team within the Metro. I don't think it'll resonate with people where he is at versus where he was just because you saw his AV. We were talking about the Kraken said, it's not that different scouting the Kraken from the Canucks. Cause we didn't see the Canucks last year and they have a whole ton of new people and yada, 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 yada. I think until Carter plays the way Martin Jones played, or at least gets the result that Martin Jones got last night against one of the, against a Rangers team that put up eight on the flyers last year, or against a hurricanes team that's in the Metro that oftentimes is fighting for the wild card spot. That the flyers are fighting, for, whatever. I don't think people will believe that the real Carter is back. Do you guys agree? Or am I not giving fans enough credit here? J Jordan, I'll go to you first. Cause Joe just went. No, I think that's fair, Taryn. I, th I, th I do think fans will want to see more from Carter Hart. I don't think they're going to say, hey, last season's behind him just because he's had, you know, two solid games to start. I do want to um, – I do think fans will want to see him come up in the big moments, come up in the big games, come up in these rivalry moments where, yeah, maybe it's a tie game going into the third period um, and, and he has to make a number of big saves and kind of will the Flyers to a win. So I think that's – very much fair. I personally think Carter Hart's fine. I really do think he's a different goalie this year. Um, I think we've seen some really good things. I don't even think the opener against the Canucks was really all that bad for him. I thought that was more of a collective effort on the Flyers' part. Uh, and then he had 21 saves in that game from the third period into and overtime. So uh, I think Carter's going to be fine, but 
Philly is a tough fan base. Uh, it, it's a prove it, show me type of town. We all know that. It's what we love about this city. And uh, I think they're going to hold that uh, very true here with this 23-year-old kid. I think Philly is a accountable fan base. Yeah. I, I That's what I think it – some people put their athletes before their team allegiance. In Philly, we, are a, we have an allegiance to our teams. And yeah. if you are not accountable to the team – we are maybe overly holding you accountable. That's my personal experience as a born and raised Philly fan, but I'm not, there's shades of Ben Simmons teaching this entire conversation for me. And I don't even want to get into that. Um, Joe, you th- what, what, who, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know that anybody at practice knows either. Joe. Uh, so definitely not your thoughts, your thoughts. What do you think it's going to take for people to, to really believe the true Carter is back an East an old East division opponent or a match, like a big Metro. What do you think it's going to take? I, I generally think it will take one of those things. It'll have to be one of those uh, teams that we saw a ton last year. Like you said, rivalry moment. I will say there's one caveat. If he were to go to Edmonton next Wednesday and take out the fact that the game's at 10 o'clock night, at night, but let's say we see that McDavid dry power play buzzing around and Carter puts up a, a, like a big time performance against them. I think then maybe people will start to form an opinion that maybe he's back because that's a lethal offense. And I wonder if we see him in Edmonton though, Joe, I wonder if he gets the go. I mean, it's a hometown game, right? He has so not ever play played well in Edmonton. He has never right. played well. But I think that's part of the reason you probably have to do it, right? I mean, it's a back-to-back. They could argue. They could argue that play him in I, I don't know. AB Sorry, might want to say this is your get-right moment and go get right and prove to people you can do this here. Um, because the last time I remember watching him play in Edmonton, it it was like not to be mean just from the compassionate side of me it was hard to watch there was so much build up there's so much family there yeah. you know whatever and I, I don't remember what the final score is I want to say he allowed like six well I um, believe he got pulled, pulled from the game and he got I believe pulled. he got pulled and it yeah. was hard to watch because you could see the parents the billet family all of it so maybe he does and I think Joe I think you're exactly right that would be a big I think maybe he would, I don't know if he'd ever acknowledge it, like individual moment where it's like, I need to play well in my hometown. I, I will be very interested because it's a back-to-back to see how they handle that, though. If I could say, I'll say this. I, I do think he'll play, and I'll, I will say the very next game is in Vancouver. Martin Jones is from Vancouver area. His dad actually runs the arena there. So I have a feeling AV is going to have some sentimental um, – impact in his decision i think carter hart will get the game in edmonton one because it kicks off a road trip it's carter it's your number one and carter is from that area and then martin jones kind of coming home and playing at the arena where his dad worked with Aline Vigneault and still works so that, that's my that's my guess I, I do think they will go hart jones uh which i think would be fine and um you, you gotta eventually like kind of take the training wheels off of carter i'm not saying they have training wheels on him but i do feel like they have tried to protect him in certain ways like maybe not like they they try to really put him in the best situations which all teams do all teams try to put their goalies in the best situation to succeed but eventually you need to just get carter out there and say hey be our guy be our number one battle your demons head on right Right. beat the oilers 
you know, beat Connor McDavid. Like that's, I think eventually you got to do that, but I do think they'll go part Jones, just given the sentimental of those two games. I do too, but I would not, if they don't, I would not be that shocked. Like, I think that's the obvious way to go, but if it comes out that that's not the case, like I was at that Edmonton game in what, 2019 winter. It was, I remember it vividly. So, you know, whatever, take that for what it is. This has been a jam packed show. Uh, Joe, Jordan, thank you so much for hanging and talking some Flyers hockey. We'll have continued to have tons to talk about now that hockey's back. Fans are back. The building is loud. Everyone's excited. We're having six goal games again, guys. And they're not against us this time. We're back. We are back. Well, now we're going, but we'll be back again soon with more Flyers talk podcast presented by great railing. Uh, Please rate review, subscribe, but like review five stars, preferably that's what we would like. And leave positive reviews if you feel so inclined. Um, and thank you guys so much for joining us. We will catch you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.